you are also competing with the guy that goes on TikTok and eats 10,000 pieces of meat and is a superstar, right? So superstardom is no longer exclusive to artists or filmmakers or actors. I really feel for the artists. Welcome to The Artist Works, where we explore the labor concepts and inspiration behind the art illuminating and shaping our world. My name is Evan Papp, and I'm the executive producer for EML Publishing that creates content on labor, political economy, art, and culture. We are a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Today, I'm speaking with Oyen Consola Foza Fawe Hinmi, who is an award-winning lawyer and the president of Digital Music Commerce and Exchange Limited, an intellectual property valuation management administration company serving Sub-Saharan Africa. Over the last nine years, she has served as a legal advisory and business consultant for some of Africa's most reputable entertainment companies and artists. So Foza, thanks so much for your time. Hi, Ivan. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Great, great. So could we begin by you talking about how you got into the Nigerian music industry? Uh, so I think it was just one interesting evening. I was walking down the hallway of my university and I saw a group of boys uh, trying to do a cover to a particular song. And um, I joined in the recording session. It was fun. Then I took the song and sent it over to my friends at the radio station in Lagos and it got played. And for some weird reason, everybody just thought I was a superstar. And uh, I got into management because they said, oh, managers, you, you do really fantastic, you know, at this. And that's how you know, I started in the business of music management and music itself. I was a law student then. So at that point, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to specialize in. Then once I got the opportunity, I started to research on um, how I could apply the law and music together to uh, make a living. And I found out about entertainment law and, you know, yeah, we are. <laughs> so it's been almost a decade deep in the business and eight years as an entertainment lawyer. That's awesome. And have you made any music yourself? Or I, I did see an interview where you were uh, doing some raps and things like that that you were uh, talking about rapping when you first started. Yeah, I tried. It's not my talent. I gave up quick, really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I gave up really quickly. It's not my talent at all. But but I, I have very good ears for music. So I do a lot of A&R and supervising in the, in the studio and whatnot. But I can't write to save my life. I can't, I can't rap. I can rap what you write, but I can't, I can't write. <laughs> okay. Well, there, there may, you know, still be a future there. Uh, I, I too love getting into the studio and making music and uh, just being around the creative process. And Nigeria, a lot of people just don't know um, if they don't know <laughs> that Nigeria is one of the hottest music scenes in the world right now. And it's yeah. producing some of the the most cutting artists. I, I grew up uh, listening to like Fela and like the Afrobeat. And now it's just advanced and evolved in, in so many different ways. And there's such a creative energy also with uh, the Nollywood of Nigeria, a very large yeah. uh, music and video and uh, film scene as well. And I, I lived in Zambia and I, I also was aware of a lot of um, copyright infringement and um, people not sharing the proceeds of, um, of the artist's works. So 
Could you talk a bit about why intellectual property is important to protect the artist's work and labor? Um, so I think it's it's right now it's very important for Africa because we we had an estimated 1.4 billion on the continent and 70% of that demograph is under 40, which means that there's going to be a high burst of creativity uh, and all the solutions that we're probably, the world is looking for, I believe strongly lies in Africa. So uh, intellectual property is what protects and helps you to monetize and make uh, money from you know, your creativity. Uh, for the longest time in Africa, we, I will tell you that land is, is a form of security and that's kind of very entrenched in our culture. It's more tangible property than, than the arts or creativity or knowledge. So even it, apart from even just creativity, we have a, we have a kind of like a cultural problem paying for consultation or service. You know, if it's not something we can feel uh, in our hands, it's it's usually a problem yeah, Africa wide. Yeah. For me, the gospel of intellectual property has been on the rise for the last ten years. Is it's it's going to get better in the last decade. The education and awareness for intellectual property has been on the rise. So it's quite important that intellectual property is being regarded because of is because of the solutions and the wealth that Africa needs in the next two decades relies heavily on creativity, you know, so. Absolutely. And continue just shaping the, the global culture. And yeah. being such a, a global marketplace now, people are are really starting to tap in to um, African music, West African music and Nigerian music. And could you talk about the, about the Digital Music Commerce and Exchange, LTD, uh, which was founded in 2018? So, uh, so I started out as like uh, an entertainment lawyer, then music manager, and the owner I had. But along the way, I think sometime in 2017, we came. I came across a case that exposed me to understanding that, uh, to understanding the 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 cultural value of art itself, the history, the historical value of what art represents to us as a society. So you have music that predates, you know, the 2000s. And before then, we had the physical CDs, the vinyls and all that. And these these historical uh, reservoirs and these cultural pieces have not been we've not done a good job in translating them into the digital world, right? And so they are losing a lot of revenue, they're losing a lot of money, they're losing a lot of essence. Uh, and the people currently heavily investing in in the arts in Africa don't necessarily understand the history because they, they aren't here with us. So they don't understand the history, they don't understand the culture. So for us, it was we saw this problem and we said, yo, it's it's important that one of some some people come together and sacrificially ensure that these historical pieces or these historical arts are preserved, you know, digitally and so that it can function well in the digital age and also make proper revenue, you know, that that services their estate. So Digital Music Commerce and Exchange Limited is basically an uh, an IP company. Uh, that administrates and protects and uh, exploits 
a lot of uh, these these catalogs, these pieces, and then shows that they are doing well in the digital world. Because what what it is we started seeing was that we started seeing a lot of squatters, a lot of infringers, you know, on these works because nobody paid attention to it or nobody knew particularly how to navigate the, the waters of legacy catalogs. So uh, that's basically what we've been doing for the last three, four years, just um, looking for the right owners, tracing the proper chain of tie to, you know, liaising with government because many of these artists died without a view. So we liaise with a lot of government officials, we liaise with a lot of the DSPs to say, yo, this person distributing isn't, isn't, isn't uh, legal, this is illegal, this is not illegal and stuff. So basically, uh, that's what we do. And we also put numerical value on 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 intellectual property. So you bring your work to us and we do some calculation and tell you, okay, this piece of album is worth $2 million or is worth $1.5 million as such. So that's basically what we do at DMC. Awesome, awesome. <clears throat> and you also have a... Uh a blog that you keep up uh, with the hashtag my tribal stories. And in it, you, you mentioned that a potential client uh, clients representative wanted, wanted you to create an artist development path for his new record label. And so could you walk through like what that would even look like to create uh, such a path? Uh, it, I mean, it, it starts with the first initial conversation. Sometimes it takes about six, three months to get it done because you have to understand what's going on in the headspace of, of the person that comes to talk to you. Some people are looking for long-term, some people are looking for short-term. So if you're giving a long-term solution to a short-term person, they will probably look at you crazy or say you don't know what you're doing. If you give a short-term solution to a long-term person, same thing. So it usually starts with the conversation and understanding what's, what's your vision, especially in life, because... Um, music is a career path and life is life, right? So at every point in time, life, your life purpose and your career purpose should be able to merge. Uh, and that almost to an extent guarantees you, you know, some form of fulfillment and happiness. So if, if those two things are divergent, it kind of causes chaos and, and unhappiness. So for me, I'm always very... Um, very, very quick to understand what do you exactly do you want to achieve? And I, we create, my team and I will create like a path to show you, all right, if you make these kind of decisions, you're going to end up in this kind of place. If you make this kind of decision, you're going to end up in this kind of place. So it, it's, it's, it's usually harder because a lot of people don't exactly, when you ask them this question, they don't exactly know what they want. They just know, they just have an overarching, oh, I want to be a big superstar. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, what kind of big superstar? Do you want to be a, a an American superstar? Do you want to be a Nigerian superstar? There are different elements to it. And when you ask those questions, most times they go for like two months and don't come back because you're like asking them so many deep questions and stuff. But um, I try to make people understand that music is not just fun. It is, it's a business. It's a product. It's a lifestyle. So uh, and when people realize that they get very finicky and very scared and <laughs> most of them never come back. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that. But yeah, to ask those hard questions up front and to, to really get the artist to understand that there, there needs to be a full commitment there. There's work to be put in to, yeah. to really achieve it. And I also have uh, followed artists talking about things like streaming music like Spotify and um, 
how some are, if, if you're a top uh, streamer, you can make a lot of money. And then if you're not, you're, you're just getting peanuts and pennies. Um, what, how, how do you see things like um, Spotify? Because it does expose people to new music more than ever before, but uh, it may not always compensate the artist. Uh, I I think I think you know uh, as we grow as a society we we always look for the easiest option to do the hardest things, and um, I feel like that's what DSPs are doing, which is just oh I mean line they're telling us oh there's a hundred hundred thousand songs being ingested in Spotify every day, right? So it's like oh. Uh, am I going to sort through each artist, you know, to listen to? Do I want to curate a playlist for this, or I'm just going to go to workout playlist, or I'm just going to go to this and get that? So for me, it's like for the fans, it works, and I feel like it's a short-term solution because now the other day I was like, I was I was scanning through, you know, some of our newest superstars in Nigeria, and I was trying to, you know, find find personalities and it, it it was so hard because it was just like all right so you got the music uh what else you know when from 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 the millennial age you know when there was michael jackson it's like yo michael jackson it is michael jackson like <laughs> there's a personality there's a story it wasn't just the music so if, if michael comes out and says oh i want to sell a bottle of water you know, I would buy that because there's an experience attached to it. Right now, it's just people are just like dumb, 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 dumb because there's not like uh, mathematics to it, right? So, for for example, Spotify. You know, I have an artist that we did an experiment last year of release songs every eight weeks to see the the calculate like the margin because anyone any label that wants to talk to you, any big investor that wants to talk to you, the first thing they say is, "Oh, watch your Spotify numbers," right? So you go there. So we're doing an eight weeks interval and we see like the numbers are steady moving. Then we stop for like three months and it collapsed by like 200% the mm-hmm. listeners. So I'm like, this is such a wrong metrics for measuring, yeah. you know, who the artist is or the impact that the artist is having. So I feel like it's more of for the, for the fans. It's cheap. It's a cheaper option. It's an easier option, right? For the artists, it's just, it's like, it's a harder time because now yeah. you're just like, how do I create? Because apart from Spotify, you are also competing with, you know, the guy that goes on TikTok and eats, you know, 10,000 pieces yeah. of meat and is a superstar, right? <laughs> so you are, you, are, you are competing. Yeah. So superstar, superstardom is no longer exclusive to artists or filmmakers or actors. It's not like anybody from any <laughs> random place can be a superstar. So I really feel for the artists. It's not like very expensive to push me. I mean, music has always been a capital intensive product, right? But now it's just like 10 times harder. And and the competition is is just unfair because the guy that is on Spotify that has, you know, 1,000 listeners, but in his in his hood can draw out 5,000 people, you know, on on a $20 ticket to come watch him perform and kills the performance. But there's another guy that has gamed the system and has like 10,000 uh, listeners on Spotify and you get an advance of $30,000 from a distributor. So it's a very rigged game. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's just my... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I totally, 
And yeah, the whole like, just you need to put out more and more content regardless of quality. And, you know, a a really good album is going to take a lot of time working with musicians and sound engineers and you got studio time to pay and then mastering and distribution and all these other things. And events are, I think, a really good gauge too for people to get out but um you just can't get the numbers that you can on tiktok from people just eating meat <laughs> something like that yeah i mean so, it's, all, it's not like an all-around tough thing so yeah yeah so i i want to be cognizant of your time and i want people to be able to uh follow your work as well, well. and i i saw or i listened to an, an interview you had a few months ago and uh you mentioned you may have uh, a project that you're working on. Uh, I know it's not always uh, the the right question to ask, ask of like, up. when when is this, or if you're writing a book or not, and when do you think it'll be done? Because that puts a lot of pressure on it. But uh, are you writing a book right now? I've already announced the dates for release. It's supposed to come out February 17th, 2023. It's a book about just literally just chronicling my journey from when I started out to now. Uh, it's, I've announced the dates for release. Hopefully elections in Nigeria doesn't, because when elections are around, everything is in the air, you know, but, um, it will be released on my 30th. So it's just like an interesting journey because I've kind of, when I was coming up, coming up, I didn't exactly have any public reference to see what someone, you know, like a young woman that was going through, you know, a an uncharted territory or part to to lean into so it was quite tough for me and I always have requests of mentorship and stuff and I'm just like well I might have just put together some some stories of my experience and hopefully people read it or find it interesting it's been a a hard just journey I actually didn't know how hard it is to write a book (laughs) you know so it's like it's really hard because Every time we go through, I'm like, ah, oh, people gonna read this. Is it interesting? Is this funny enough? <laughs> is this oh my oh, is this why would anyone want to sit down and listen to this and stuff? So it's like it's been a humbling journey because I, I'm also getting to I think when you work so hard and you just keep going, you forget the little things. So having to recount the memories and recount some successes, you're like very grateful and just happy, you know. So I'm I'm excited. And I look forward to to the book coming out. I I think I have like, a, you know, it's just a lot of like press and all that going on right now. And I'm just like, uh, I just want to work, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ed, are you working with an editor as well? Yes, I am. Yes, okay. yes. Cool. They are very tired of me because I'm like, <laughs> I want it funny, but I don't want it too funny. I want it. <laughs> yeah, well. Hopefully, I'll send you a copy when 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 I'm done. Yeah, I would love to read it, and and uh, if we can find some time in 2023 after after uh, you know you you do your book tour and everything, I'd love to interview you about that as well. Oh, so thank you so much, Ivan. Uh, and and where do you see optimism and hope going forward? Because the world is on fire. There's cataclysm everywhere we look. And what gets you out of bed and inspires you? And uh, that. Some advice you can leave maybe for the, the younger folks who are are just trapped in uh, a world of pessimism. I, I'm not going to lie. Yesterday, I think we woke up in, in Nigeria and one of our favorite superstars, you know, lost his child. And it, it I, I thought, because I've, I've, I've suffered so many losses in my life too, so, you know, I think someone woke me up around 
them and I was like, yo, this happened. I was like, all right. You know, I switched up my phone. I said, I'm going to sleep, wake up. It's going to be, you know, fake news, right? Um, when I woke up at, you know, an hour later, I put on my phone and I see, you know, the news is true. Then I see takeoff is dead. Then I see that there was a fire incident somewhere along where I was going to, supposed to go work. And I was just like, all right, I'm just, I literally just closed my laptop, closed everything yesterday and said, I'm just going to listen to music and chill. <laughs> and just sleep, you know, and chill. And I was, I had a very beauty, you know, but I, I, I called out someone I love, you know, we, we had conversations. I looked for some, I looked for things that made me happy. And I just held on to, you know, the center. You know, I, I always try to find centers. Why am I doing this? You know, what's the, what's the purpose for doing this? What's the end result for doing this? Sometimes they might not be, any answer to it, but I always try to go back to the center, right? Uh, for, for people that are spiritual, you go to God, you go to Allah, you go to, you know, whatever that center is. Uh, I, I find people that I love and I, and I hang out with them. So yesterday I just, you know, called up, called up my, you know, one of my most loved persons and we had conversations. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a judgment thing. It was just like, I know you're ranting. I know you're hurting. I can't piss why I'm hurting, but let's just talk, right? And when we finished, we listened to some music. I said, oh, let's go see a movie. And it wasn't completely um, happy, but it was like a bit of relief. I woke up this morning. I'm like, all right, I can get through the day. You know, and for me, it's just, um, for me, I just keep saying like, What's, what, what do I want to be remembered for? Do I want, you know, I tell my, I tell this funny joke of, when I die, like you guys need to gather all the videos of me dancing, you know, and happy and jumping. And that's the only thing I want you, the world to see, because that's, that's the, what I came to give to, to, to the world, to make people happy, to make people, um, to make people experience justice and experience fairness, you know? So if, if it's to go out and make one person happy that day, it, it makes me happy. Because at the end of the day, everything that we chase, you know, if you die today, it's the end. But the memories you've created is what lasts and what keeps us going and what keeps your loved one going. So the world is dark, but it's going to get better because we are still in it and we still have to live through it. But don't live through it out of, out of like, uh, an obligation. Find wise. You know, there's, I always say there's always pain in every, there's, there's purpose in every pain that you go through. So you find the why of that pain. It's hard, but, you know, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love the idea of just sharing the joy of life um, with the people around us, even when we're gone. So Poza, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to put in the show notes to uh, be able to follow you is uh, on fozadoza.com yeah. and also on Instagram and yes. Twitter. And yeah. uh, I'll uh, also tell people to sign up for your newsletter. And I really appreciate your time and, and everything you're doing. And you I so look much. forward to more Nigerian music and West African music and African music and African art coming out of the beautiful continent and uh, lightening up the rest of the world. So thank you again. Thank you so much. And thank you for your platform. Thank you so much.